Hello and welcome to this episode of Give Me Your Hand, reflections on the deep truths in poems and other writings that feel like a hand reached out to us in moments when we most need it, a celebration of connection between human experiences, past and present. In this first episode, I'll be sharing with you a poem by Raina Maria Rilke, the last line of which was the inspiration for this podcast. Raina Maria Rilke was born Renee in 1875 in Prague, in what was Austria-Hungary at the time, it's now the Czech Republic, and he died in 1926 in Switzerland. His father wanted him to have a military career, but Rilke knew pretty early that he wanted to be a writer. He's a well-known and respected poet now. At the time of his death in 1926, he was a respected poet in Europe, but his work has become much more widely recognized since his death as is so often the case with authors. His writings, particularly his poems and his letters to a young poet, are often quoted in popular culture sources. He published several books of poetry when he was young in his writing career, but it was the Book of Hours in 1905 that Rilke considered to be the first great representation of his art. He lived in a time that saw a lot of violence, including World War I and the 1917 Russian Rebellion. Rilke engages with death and poverty in his later published works quite a bit, including Duino Elegies and Sonnets to Orpheus in 1922. The poem that I'll share with you today comes from the Book of Hours, which is made up of a three-part collection of poems that Rilke considered to be prayers to God. Early in his adulthood, in 1897, he had taken a trip to Russia, and the spiritual expression that he experienced there deeply impacted the way that he thought about the divine. The poems that make up the Book of Hours were written during three different periods after this trip, when he would sit down and produce dozens of poems within a short amount of time. Very envious for any of us who have ever tried to write. He at first felt that they were too personal to publish, considering them prayers, but decided to in 1905. I personally love knowing that Rilke wrote the first section of 67 poems in 25 days. Then a year later, he wrote 34 poems in one week. That's the second section. Lastly, three years later, he wrote 34 more poems in a week, and that's the third section. The one that I'm going to talk about in this episode comes from the first section and is usually referred to by its fifth line in English. Go to the limits of your longing. The line that I most remember from the poem will come as no surprise to you, given the title of the podcast. The idea for this podcast originated when I first heard this poem and remembered, not for the first time, but definitely during a time when I needed to remember, that one person's words can reach out a hand of understanding and solidarity when we need it. So now that you know a bit about the author, I'll read you the poem without further ado. Rilke wrote in German, and I'll be reading in English from the translation by Anita Barrows and Joanna Macy from their 1996 book entitled Rilke's Book of Hours, Love Poems to God. Go to the Limits of Your Longing by Reine Maria Rilke. God speaks to each of us as he makes us, then walks with us silently out of the night. These are the words we dimly hear. 
You, sent out beyond your recall, go to the limits of your longing. Embody me. Flare up like a flame and make big shadows I can move in. Let everything happen to you, beauty and terror. Just keep going. No feeling is final. Don't let yourself lose me. Nearby is the country they call life. You will know it by its seriousness. Give me your hand. The first time that I heard this poem, I was on a train traveling to see one of my best friends. It was a few years ago, and I was in the very early stages of going through a divorce. And I think the train trip was probably between six and seven hours. It was a good, a good chunk of time. And I was listening to so many podcasts because the, the litany of thoughts and emotions that were flooding through my mind at that point was just so fast and so strong. <laughs> and the only way that I could really keep from feeling overwhelmed by it was to, to keep listening to podcasts. So I listened to an interview with uh, Joanna Macy who is a translator and an editor of Rilke's work. And it was an episode of the podcast called On Being, which I highly recommend if you have not listened to it. Um, it's with Krista Tippett, and it's fantastic. And so Joanna Macy was discussing several different poems um, and how actually how they had impacted her um, when she was dealing with the death of her husband. And I think it was that common thread of grief um, that made that podcast something that I really needed to hear in that moment, to hear that grief takes many forms and that we all experience it at different points in our lives and um, that people of all time have experienced it at different points in their lives and that's that's one of those moments when, you know, a hand was reached out to me through somebody's words who is not even alive anymore, uh, Rilke. And this poem, I think, more than any of the others that were shared in that episode, reached out to me because it's about that acknowledgement that we are not alone in what we experience. We are not alone in our grief. We're not alone, certainly in our suffering. Suffering um, in human lives takes many different forms. At that particular moment in my life, my suffering had a very specific uh, face and experience, but I recognize that underneath it's the same suffering, you know, that we all experience at different points and in many different ways. This poem made me feel like what I was experiencing was a natural and normal part of life. And that while it was overwhelming and I didn't at that moment know how I was going to deal with it, there was something inside me that knew that I was going to deal with it. <laughs> um, the way to do it was just something that I hadn't learned yet. So 
what I love about this poem that relates to, to that first moment that I heard it um, is the image that it creates and the feeling that it creates of us having God uh, the way that it's translated in this poem, but I think we can also just think of it as the divine, the divine presence with us is there um, as we are created and is with us all throughout our lives. Um, so it, the poem starts off, God speaks to us as he makes us, then walks with us silently out of the night. So our origin is in darkness, um, just you know, just as everything that is created, it's, its origin is in darkness, not in a, not in a malicious, scary darkness, you know, the way that we have in horror films, but a darkness of, of generation, um, the same way that it's dark inside a womb. And we're walking towards something and we don't know what it is yet, but the divine in us does, you know, and so in the poem, it's kind of turned into a story, you know, this experience of being born, but also the experience of waking up to your life, you know, to life in general, and also your own specific life. These are the words that we dimly hear. You sent out beyond your recall. You can't be called back. You have to move forward. Go to the limits of your longing. Embody me. You know, recognize that the divine is always with you, that you're never alone. Flare up like a flame and make big shadows I can move in. I think at that moment, I really didn't know how to interpret what that meant. Um, I think that in that moment, it sounded good. It sounded like I could, I could walk into what was next and not be afraid to take up space, not be afraid to really face what was happening and react to what was happening and just uh, be myself. Let everything happen to you, beauty and terror. That line, I think, is one of the ones that was the most important to me in that moment. Because I had already, um, I had already studied some religion in school and, um, I had already thought about, you know, the reality that life is full of just exquisite beauty <laughs> and also terror and horror and, um, really horrible things, you know, and it all coexists and it's all part of life, um, let everything happen to you, beauty and terror. Just keep going. No feeling is final. That no feeling is final. That also really stood out to me in that moment because I was feeling some things that were very uncomfortable and I had no interest in continuing to feel. <laughs> um, but again, I didn't have a choice. I had to feel them. Uh, and then don't let yourself lose me. That's something that I've thought about at different points in my life, and I'm sure that you have too. Um, there are moments where you feel really kind of yourself, where you feel like you know who you are and um, you understand what's important to you. 
and then something happens and it knocks you off balance and you feel like you lose it. You know, you lose that feeling of understanding yourself. Um, and I really liked the idea of thinking of that version of yourself, that version of yourself that you understand, that feels known to you, that feels like the best version of you, maybe. I loved the idea that um, that could be thought of as the divine in you, you know, that this is God talking to you, like all of these really crappy things and amazing things are going to happen to you. They're going to produce feelings that you don't know how to deal with, but don't don't lose me. Don't lose the knowledge that, you know, you are still yourself and that you're not alone. Nearby is the country they call life. You will know it by its seriousness. What a beautiful part of this poem. At the moment that I first listened to it, I involuntarily gave a little laugh. And I think part of that had to do with the way that Joanna Macy read it. Um, there was, there was a hint there that the God figure in this poem is saying this line with a little, a little tiny bit of a grin on his face or her face. Um, and I love, I loved these lines in that moment because it reminds me that life is something that I experience, but it doesn't completely define who I am. And that's true of all of us. You know, um, some people in the past have written of it as, as like our, our inner worlds and our outer worlds. Um, we have our own internal dialogue, our own internal consciousness. And then we have, you know, the wide world that we interact with. And I liked, I liked this insinuation that sometimes when we're experiencing life, we can forget that some of the things that are happening can take on a very serious character and they may not necessarily need to. There are certainly things that we encounter in life um, that need to be treated with seriousness and, con and consideration, but I liked this suggestion um, that having some perspective on what is currently happening in life is a good idea that not completely losing yourself, you know, as they reference earlier in the poem, um, that not completely losing yourself to every circumstance that happens in your life, um, that enabling yourself to gain some perspective is a good idea. And then the last line, it's so perfect, right? I mean, I named the podcast after it, clearly. <laughs> um, give me your hand. And at that moment, I needed... I needed a hand to take and oh my gosh, so many people in my life offered me a hand. I'm sure this has happened to you too when you've gone through something that really takes you beyond the experience that you have had thus far and you don't know how to handle it at first. 
because it's just so outside your knowledge base, um, the people in your life that reach out a hand for you to hold, not necessarily giving you a solution, not fixing things for you, not taking away the feelings or the threat, but just letting you know that they're going to hold your hand while you figure out how to deal with it. (laughs) Um, That is priceless. It is just priceless. So, you know, obviously upon several years reflection after having first heard this poem, um, that's why I decided to name this podcast after the last line of it, because I really love giving an image to this truth that I have learned in my life that we are not alone. We are connected to our deeper selves. We are connected to each other. We all experience the same types of emotions. Um, And there's much more about our experiences here that we can relate to each other about than there is to judge each other about or to fear each other about. Um, And at difficult times in my life, even before this particular moment when I read this poem, um, when I was very young even, whenever I faced something challenging, it really comforted me to read words written by somebody who had gone through that emotion or that experience before. Because when you're in the grip of an emotion, in my experience anyway, it's very difficult to articulate what you're going through. Whereas upon reflection, after, you know, time has given you some perspective, it's a lot easier to write about it and really express what happened, you know, and what you felt. And so having somebody's words who have that kind of perspective to explain what it feels like makes you feel can, I think, when you read those words, can make you feel known and understood and not alone, you know? So that's what I took from this poem in that moment. Um, I've since, you know, read it countless times and I'm sure throughout my life, whenever I look at it, I'll interpret it a little bit differently or different lines will stand out to me. Um, But that's the beauty of poetry. That's the beauty of of words, of our ability to communicate with each other about what we're going through. And the perspective that you can gain from that, in my opinion, is priceless. Since my own first experience of Rilke's poem, I've often read it and felt its continued relevance and wisdom for my life experiences. I'm no longer in a time of personal crisis, thank goodness, but the hand of understanding and companionship that reached out to me that day through this poem was part of what helped me dare to walk out into my new life. And I'm certainly not the only one to have been influenced by his poems in this way. In her preface to the Book of Hours, translator Joanna Macy mentions that, quote, Rilke reminded me that I had the strength and courage to walk out into the world as into my own heart, and to, quote, love the things as no one has thought to love them, end quote. That last quote that she mentions is from poem number 61 in the first section of the book. In her preface, translator Anita Barrows writes that, quote, We are because we are seen. We are because we are loved. The world is because it is beheld and loved into being, end quote. 
I think that's a key aspect of the poem that touched me as well as other Rilke poems do, that our lives here in this world are relational ones. Our very bodies and identities are in relation to all others. We exist in relation. And because of that, we are never alone. As Macy mentions, walking out into the world is akin to walking into our own heart. It's a great example of how people across time and space can relate to one another's experience through the words of a poem. In this case, the poet that reached out to me during a tough moment in my life has clearly reached out to many others as well. And who knows, maybe something in this poem or this podcast has stirred some recognition and understanding in you. So thank you very much for sharing this time of reflection with me, and I wish you the best. In case you're interested, the sources that I mentioned in this episode are Joanna Macy, A Wild Love for the World, episode 724 of the podcast On Being, and Rilke's Book of Hours, Love Poems to God, translated by Anita Barrows and Joanna Macy. Thank you for listening to this episode of Give Me Your Hand.